0: Hi, welcome to the latest episode of Mistress Mia's Dungeon. I'm your hostess, Mistress Mia, and this is Mistress Mia's Bedtime Stories. Today I bring you Paula's New Home, written by Giza. This story can be found on utopiastories.com. This is Paula's New Home, written by Giza. The author's note, it's a dark story with no happy ending. And it begins. Paul had been a TV escort for a couple of years. He had regular clients, lived in a nice flat, and earned a lot of money. He could pick and choose, opting only for men he fancied. Most just wanted to give him a blowjob. He always dressed up for them, five-inch heels, stockings, nice tight dress. He looked very feminine and passable. With stick on fake boobs, growing his hair long and styling it in a feminine way. A trim five foot eight tall without the heels, he could play any role his clients wanted. Truth was, he wasn't actually gay. He just did it for the money. He even had a girlfriend. He also found that the money he could earn was too good to turn down. Later, this would prove to be his downfall. A new client telephoned. Having his photos, a discussion was had as to what the client wanted. To lick Paul's, or Paula, as he once was dressed, called himself. He wanted to give Paula a good, long blow job. The client booked to come to Paula's flat at 10 p.m. that night, an easy $150. Paul was already dressed as he had a client at 6, a regular, in and out, and a half an hour, give or take, and in five inch black heels with a strap at the ankle, black seam stockings, black lacy panties, black corset, his fake boobs, and over the top, a red dress short but just covering the stocking tops, bright red lipstick, false eyelashes, had clip on diamond earrings, a present from a client. He checked himself in the full length mirror in the bedroom. He looked so fucking hot. Once dressed, he thought himself as Paula, as a female. It helped make the experience better for his clients. At 10 p.m., the intercom sounded from downstairs and the client announced his arrival. So, Paula buzzed him up. Paula was waiting behind the door and opened it when he heard the lift and the doors open. A man, six foot four, very tall, very slender, in his 40s. Wearing a gray business suit, stepped out and came towards the flat. Paula opened the door wide and welcomed him inside. As the man stepped in the door, Paula saw him stab outwards with something that was concealed in his hand and Paula's stomach. The pain was tremendous, and he collapsed to the floor, his limbs turning to rubber, every cell in his body seemed to be on fire. The man stepped over Paula's limp body and closed the door. He bent down and turned her into his front, pulling Paula's arms behind her and fastening them with a cable tie produced from his pocket. She felt him fastening another around her ankles and a further one around her knees. Her limbs not moving now. Something else was pulling from the man's pocket, and one hand forced open her jaw and pushed a large ball gag in. The strap quickly tightened behind her head. Paula could not put any resistance towards it. The man stood back as if to admire his handiwork, then produced a further cable tie and used it to link Paula's ankles to her wrists in a tight hawk tie. The feeling was returning to Paula's limbs as the cable cutting into her wrists and ankles, the strap of the ball gag hurting the corner of her mouth. She rolled onto her side, and she'd been tied up before, but it was more fluffy handcuffs and loose rope. This was serious, and this was no escape." Paula heard the man go off to the other rooms, opening cupboards and drawers. She tried to pull hard on the cable ties, but they wouldn't break or even loosen. They just cut viciously into her wrists and ankles. After a few minutes, the man returned and said the first word since he had entered the flat. Stop struggling, you'll only hurt yourself. Those cable ties are for industrial use and they need to be cut off. We're going to wait here for a couple of hours, so lie still. Paula complained into the paw gag, but just a mumble went past it. It was very effective at keeping her quiet. Some drool was dripping from the corner of her mouth and onto the hall carpet. The man left her again and went into the kitchen. Paula heard him put on the tea kettle and open the cupboards. He then went past her again and went into the bedroom. She could hear him pulling things out of the wardrobe. Then what she assumed was a suitcase being unzipped. After a while, the man came back with the suitcase, which she put at the front door. He then went and made himself a coffee and took it into the living room. More drawers were open. He had probably found the cash she kept there as well, nearly two grand. After what seemed like ages to Paula, the man returned, stepped over her, opened the door, and left with the suitcase. Paula was in some ways relieved. He was just robbing her then. It looked like Paula would have to wait until tomorrow evening when his girlfriend Cindy came around to get released, but at least Paula was safe. She would just have to put up with the discomfort for the night. Ten minutes later there was a key in the door. Thank God Sydney had come around midnight. But staring down at him was the man. He had Paula's keys in his hand, which he must have picked up from the table. The man stepped over Paula and went into the bedroom again. Finding nothing further of interest, he went through into the living room and Paula heard the television being turned on and an old movie being played. Struggling against the ties was futile, but Paula did it all the same. The strict hawk tie was hurting her lower back and the ties were cutting circulation to her hands. Any movement at this point was just hurting her more. After some time, the TV went off, and the man went into the bedroom, returning a few minutes later with a white sheet off Paula's bed. He laid it down flat on the floor next to her, and then taking some clippers from his pocket, he snipped the ties, holding her over into the hog tie. Instant relief as the pressure on her wrists and legs and backs were released. The man pushed her over onto the sheet, then picking up one side, started to roll her in the sheet, covering her head, and then her legs, like she was a mummy. Paula struggled against being wrapped up in the sheet, but the bondage preventing such resistance, she had no chance. Then Paula heard and felt some tape being wrapped around the sheet at chest legs and and her head. There was real fear of suffocation as the panic was rising in her chest. She counted to ten, trying to slow her rapid breathing. After a minute, she realized she could still draw breath, but couldn't see. The panic slowly subsided. Paula felt the man lift her onto his shoulders. It took some effort to get her balanced so he could stand up fully. She was wiggling in the sheet, but it was tightly wrapped and had only added to the restraint. Stop wiggling and don't try and make a noise. Otherwise, I'll give you another shock. Remembering the pain she had felt at the beginning of all of this, she stopped struggling. She heard the door open and close behind her as she was carried into the corridor. The lift doors opened immediately. Paula's only hope was that someone might get off on the lift. Rolled up in a sheet, even to see the cameras, it might be next to impossible to recognize that it was a body. The lift descended down the three floors. "'As Paula heard the doors open, silence. "'There was no one about. (sighs) "'There never was at any time of night "'was there anyone around. "'It must be well past midnight. "'The man proceeded down the corridor, "'opened the front door and went into the car park. "'It took only seconds for them to arrive at a vehicle. "'There was a click. "'She heard the boot opening.' Then, without ceremony, she was dumped into the boot, and it was slammed shut. Paula could hear the car door being opened and shut. She struggled against the sheet and the ties, but had very little movement. Perhaps there was something sharp in the boot she could use to free herself. The engine started, and the car drove away. Paula tried to find the limits of her confinement. She found the back and side walls of the trunk, It was a large car, but there seemed to be nothing in there that might even aid her to her escape. All she could hear was the noise of the car on the road. It appeared to be going straight, which means they were on the motorway. Maybe the police would stop them. Someone might have seen the man putting her in the trunk. Maybe he might stop and release her. It was some time later that she felt the car turn off from the speedway. Had they gone north or south, she had no idea where she was or even headed or how far they had come. There was no way to mark time. Had it been one hour or two hours? The car made a few turns. Paula was bounced around as the roads became rougher. Finally, the car slowed and made slow turns into the gravel driveway, went a couple of hundred yards, and then stopped. Paula heard the car door open and shut, and the footsteps on gravel going further away. She had made no headway with bondage, hadn't even been able to loosen the sheet. Her hands seemed to be numb. After a while, she heard the footsteps on the gravel returning and the boot opening. She was dragged out feet first, so her feet were resting on the gravel. As her body was fully pulled out of the boot, she was again lifted over the man's shoulders and they marched away. The surface changed from gravel to something solid. Paula heard what she thought was a gate opening, and then she felt them descending down some stairs and into some kind of structure. The man dropped her down onto the hard floor, the sheet not doing much to blunt the impact. She felt the tape being cut, and she was rolled out of the sheet onto a smooth concrete floor. She looked around. The walls were stone. The room was about ten by ten. There was no windows. The ceiling was low and the room was lit by a single bulb. It would appear to be a cellar. The man left her on her side, and she could see him positioning a cushion on the floor in the center of the room. He returned to her and lifted her, carrying her over to the cushion where he placed her on her knees. Stay there and don't move. That's all she heard. With the cable ties still attached, she wasn't going anywhere. Maybe he would release her a bit so she would have a chance to escape. She heard him behind her as he rounded in front with a large canvas back, which he dropped on the floor with a heavy clunk and a rattle of metal. He unzipped the bag and produced a tangle of straps. Now I'm going to remove your gag. You could scream or shout for help, but no one can hear you and it will only make things worse for you so cooperate if you become too rowdy I will shock you and do it anyway it's your choice Paula resigned herself in her present position there was little she could do hopefully it would be something she could live with and he would release her when he was finished the strap from the gag was unfastened. The man had to tug the ball out of Paula's mouth as her jaw had locked around it. It had been so long since she had even been able to even move her mouth. Paula finally moved her jaw, and aching, having it kept open for hours, was like nothing she had felt before. She attempted to speak, but words were difficult to form. What are you going to do to me? She asked. All the words didn't come out very clearly. I'll explain in a minute, the man replied, bringing the tangle of straps towards her face. Whatever this was, Paula didn't want the straps fitted and pulled back. The man grabbed her hair and pulled her towards him. With her hands fastened and balancing on the cushion, she was off balance. He held her head against him as he started to put the straps around her. Then something was pushed into her mouth. She could feel a metal ring against her teeth, something pushing her tongue down to the floor or her mouth. The strap was tightened, but her head and any chance of expelling it was gone. The man fastened further straps around her forehead, under her chin, adjusting them several times to make sure they were tight. Paula was in the head harness, which was fitted with a ring gag, keeping her mouth open. Things had gone bad to worse. Paula shook her head, trying to dislodge the harness from the straps, but they were too tight. It's as if it was part of her now. The man took his stainless steel chains with locking mechanisms from the bag, three sets, and moved behind her. Now she thought if he released her hands, she could strike him and get away. But it didn't happen like that. She felt something cold being fitted to her left elbow and being locked into place. Her right arm was pulled inward, and she felt the cold embrace of yet more steel being lifted and fitted around her, pulling her arms together. Only then did he clip the cable tie holding her wrists Relief, but short-lived, as she could only flap her arms around behind her, feeling the heavy chains on her upper arms rendering her almost helpless. She tried to protest through the ring gag, but without use of her tongue, the words were just a mumble. She tried to scream, but only limited sounds seemed to come out. The man ignored her protests, catching one wrist, he quickly encircled it with another chain, lock it into place when he grabbed the other. Although she tried to struggle and made it difficult for him to succeed in locking the other chain and cuff, her wrists were connected together with only three inches of heavy chain. But it was so heavy, she explored the chains and cuffs with her finger. They were heavy and smooth, and she only found a small hole, which she assumed must be the keyhole. Without the keys, there was no way to remove them. "'The man cut the cable ties at her ankles "'and quickly set about enclosing these "'and a further pair of cuffs locked in place. "'She was now imprisoned in steel. "'The man was behind her "'as she felt something being attached "'to one of the chains on the left leg "'and then a click. "'She tried to look around "'but couldn't turn her body enough to see. "'Her right leg was then pulled outwards "'so the chain linking the cuffs were tight.' probably around 12 inches or so. Another click, and then she found her legs were fixed, attached to something at the side of her in the floor, and stopped from moving outwards with the chains between the cuffs. The man moved in front of her and selected a length of chain from the bag. Paula struggled against the chains, unable to get off from the cushion with her ankles. She was chained to the floor, her arms useless behind her. A chain was attached to a ring at the top of the head harness. It was pulled taut. It was attached to the ceiling. It adjusted so it pulled on her head and kept her fixed totally upright. Now she was fully immobilized, but he hadn't finished yet. Another length of chain was produced from the bag, and he went behind her and she felt it being attached to the wrist cuffs, then pulled tight as the other end was attached to an ankle cuff. "'Her hands were now fixed at 30 degrees behind her. "'Unable to lift them, there was no give in the chain, "'not at her hands or anywhere. "'She could partly turn her body, but that was it. "'The man went back to the bag and produced a large stainless steel collar. "'He presented it to her neck. "'It's impossible to get that on as Paula was screaming to herself, "'but the man did it anyway.' maneuvering it around with a click and it was locked in place. Paula tried to turn her head but the collar was too tight. The edge was just under her chin preventing further movement. Her mobility was almost completely gone. With now tears running down her face she realized how hopeless her situation was. There was no chance of escape. She could only wait to see what fate the man had for her. He reached in the bag for something else. What else could he do, she thought? I can't move hardly an inch. He then pushed a rubber plug into the mouth. She could taste the rubber. It was large, and without the use of her tongue, it was not going to be pushed out. Now that we're all secure, I will tell you what's in store for you, Paula shuddered. Her fate in the hands of this man... I like to keep people chained up on their knees. I'll come and use your mouth as often as I like. You will have no choice but to swallow my cum. I have put the rubber gag in your mouth so you don't start making noise while i explain. You will remain here for the rest of your life. I have a feeding tube that I will put down your throat, full of proteins, minerals, etc. This will feed and water you. And if you are ill, I can give you antibiotics. You see, I'm a vet by trade, and I have access to plenty of wonderful drugs to keep you alive for a very, very long time. Paula protested with the rubber gag totally silencing her, tears streaming down her face. You're not the first person down here, he continued. You are, in fact, the fifth to undergo this. The first only lasted four months, the second, 18 months, the third, three years, and the fourth over four. So you can see I'm getting better at this. I look forward to a lengthy time with you. I have a camera in the ceiling so I can watch you from upstairs. Your muscles will atrophy over time, and your mind may go, well, you know, long before your body does, but... The thrill of having you here beneath my feet is almost, oh, overwhelming. (laughs) The man moved behind her and she thought he was leaving. He spoke again. You are probably wondering what happened to the others. Well, if you look at the wall facing you, it's made of breeze block. Once they were of no use to me, I put them in there. You'll find a home there one day. Tears of misery, a scream inside of her head, rage, self-pity, thoughts pulsating through her brain. Then she heard the shutting of the door behind her, and the lock being engaged. She was truly in her home now, her new home, forever. The End The author has indicated that there is no future updates for this story. Therefore, (laughs) I think you know the rest. Paula is now imprisoned forever. So thank you so much for listening. I hope this has been a pleasure to you as it was a pleasure for me. And until then, may all your fantasies become realities.